0: Fall everyone and welcome to the CT Support Group Podcast. I'm your host Quinn and I'm the peer support specialist for Turning Point CT. As y'all might know, October is ADHD Awareness Month and I for one am aware that I have ADHD. For our show today, I am joined by a very special guest to talk about our journeys with ADHD, late diagnosis, and some tools for managing symptoms. This is part 1 of a two-part show, so tune in next week to learn more about some of the tools that we use and to hear about our guest's mental health advocacy work. Today, I'm joined by Emily Stainton, a mental health advocate and registered behavior technician, in addition to a NAMI affiliate here in Connecticut to talk about living with ADHD. Emily, hi, welcome.
1: Hello, Quinn. It's so nice to finally meet you. Yes. <laughs> I'm
0: so glad we were able to make this happen.
1: Definitely. It's been a long month of
0: planning for us. Yes. <laughs> um, so I'd like to start conversations with a check-in question if you're open to that yes okay um so I want to ask you what are some songs that you've had on repeat lately um some
1: songs I've had on repeat would be any genre of EDM when I get in like a focus mode for some reason when I'm studying, I like to just jam out and just do the head rock and stim and <laughs> get my stim out and just head bang. And if I like one specific EDM, it will just play and repeat. And I think that's very neurodivergent of us
0: to <laughs> so repeat it. It's also really cool to listen to like EDM specifically with like headphones on so you yes. can hear like the different sides. Like it's very satisfying. Oh, yeah. Has to be noise canceling for sure. Yes. So today we're here to talk about ADHD, because it is ADHD Awareness Month. Um, So I would love if you could tell me a little bit about your journey with ADHD, with diagnosis, and all of that fun stuff. Yeah. So my journey with ADHD is,
1: it's a year and a half long journey so far, of my exposure to it. Um, I was misdiagnosed. So I'm just coming to terms with it. I'm just coming to realizing what my triggers are with it. I'm just learning what what it is that was troubling me for so long. Um, Growing up in school, I was always a pleasure to have in class, but talks too much or just constantly fidgeting and moving around and not poor in math and reading skills and just really struggling with school. My focus was not there and no one it just went completely oversight it wasn't it wasn't really um tended to in 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 accommodation of any kind and up until a year and a half ago i finally came to terms with well maybe it is a misdiagnosis maybe my psychiatrist has been right um <laughs> and um now i'm accepting it i've i've gone through a lot of medication changes and still working through like the old diagnosis, but yeah, about, uh, five years ago, my psychiatrist mentioned it. She's like, are you, I don't think, I don't think you have bipolar. Mm. I think, I think you have ADHD. And I said, Nope, we're not doing that. We're not taking, we're not, I'm not coming off my lithium. I'm not coming off anything. We're not changing anything. Cause everything seemed to me working and I was tolerating it and I was dealing with it and just, brushing things under the rug and not really processing any of my emotions cuz I was on lithium for 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'm definitely coming to terms with what it means to be have ADHD. So, whatever cuz whatever your diagnosis is, it's it's not who you are. It's it's a part of you.
0: Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um so in terms of like your diagnosis, it seems like that came Late,
1: <laughs> very late. Yeah. Very late. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Uh, at
1: 16, it was bipolar and it was. I had maybe what they called episodes of s- depression and things like that, but also what the things I was depressed by was a very typical 16 year old. There were there was nothing. I went into the psychiatrist's office. They write off 30 minutes you have bipolar. And then we went with it. My doctor, my mom and dad and myself, we didn't question it. We just said, okay, never went for a second opinion, nothing. We didn't, we just rolled with it. And I've been,
0: was rolling with it until I realized,
1: "Hmm, I don't know if this is working anymore. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and so like after having a diagnosis and being like, "Mm, I'm not really sure that I want to open up. That can of forms. Like, I don't want to go back and and see, like, is there maybe something else there? Like, that's definitely gotta be tough. And I I can definitely relate to the late diagnosis piece of it. Um, so I I had a similar journey where it was like pleasure to have in class. I wasn't someone who like really fidgeted or talked too much and didn't really deal with much of the hyperactivity. Um, but the focus was a problem for me. I swung between struggling to focus and hyper focus and was hardly ever to find Mm. ever able to find that happy medium. Like, okay, yeah, I can focus. And if I need to task switch should be all good. Um, but yeah, I can, I can imagine like you, when were you late diagnosed? I was 26. I was 26 years old, had finished six grueling years of undergraduate and got my degree. And um, then, you know, over the course of the pandemic was realizing like, really, I really struggle with focus and I I know I don't really present typically, you know, quote unquote, because I I don't think there's any typical presentation of any diagnosis. Um, It's all circumstantial to everyone for sure. Yeah. But it definitely went under the radar um, for a long time and, I think mine was, was really chalked up to anxiety. Your, your kid hyper focuses because they have anxiety and that actually ended up not be, really being the case. Um, anxiety was a piece of it, but there was something else going on Yeah,
1: that I really wasn't aware of. The anxiety was the symptom of, of it probably yeah. letting your body know like, Hey, something's wrong.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, And I wanted to ask, cause this was something that I experienced too, um, in terms of late diagnosis, was there like a, did you experience like any grief over that? Uh, Was there like a journey? Cause that that was something that I I thought about a lot in the process. Yes. And I still am grieving it. Um,
1: there's days where I'm really sad about it because I can't go back to like my old coping quote unquote, quote, coping strategies because Mm -hmm. That was my life for 10 years, and there was grief, and then there was also shame for me because I started advocating in 2014 mm-hmm. and I was set solid that I have bipolar. I, I even was like published in an ebook for The Mighty, and I shared my story about being diagnosed bipolar, and I was very vocal about it because I know how important it was to break that stigma and share my story. Um, so I shared it and then 10 years later it changed Mm -hmm. and I was like, oh my gosh, this is embarrassing. I've been telling people this and that, are they going to believe me now? Like what's going to happen now? So it was a little bit of shame and yeah, every day it's like, am I angry today? Which, which stage of grief am I in today? Is it anger? Is it, is it sadness or is it just like euphoria? Cause I'm like, oh my God, this is where I'm
0: supposed to be. I'm happy now. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And um yeah, I mean I can definitely relate to that. I think for me a lot of the grief was um looking back and and realizing that I actually didn't have to struggle as much as I did, uh that there were things that could have helped me including but not limited to certain kinds of therapy and other like tools and coping skills and medication that I didn't have access to and didn't know that I needed as resources because yeah. I didn't know that this is what I was struggling with and I didn't really notice it um you know until after the I had gotten the diagnosis and started uh researching and trying to figure out okay where do I go from here and what are some things that can help me that it was like wow like I, I really really was in a situation where like some of the things that I was struggling with like had such simple solutions yeah. but it was not even it it never even occurred to me that those things were options. And I think like taking the last couple of years to kind of look back and be like, okay, yeah, I mean, that was that was sad. And, you know, I'm here. I'm I, I have the things that I need now. And, you know, trying to balance that grief with that gratitude of like, uh-huh. you know, I now I'm grateful that I know what's going on and I'm sad that it took so long. Mm. It yes, I I have that every day for sure. For uh-huh. sure.
1: So when you, you said you were going through your undergrad, when you were getting your diagnosis, did you ever get accommodations? Mm -mm. No. So you, you graduated. Good for you. That's
0: awesome. (laughs) That's awesome. Thank
1: you. I appreciate it. You did it. you somehow, you did it. You pushed through and here you are. You have a whole degree now. (laughs) Yeah, I do. Yeah. That's awesome. I have, I'm doing my bachelor's degree right now. This is the home stretch. I'm doing all my major coursework, my Estimated graduation day is November of next year.
0: Nice. Um,
1: but I didn't get accommodations until two years ago, three wow. years ago. And now I'm, I the anger comes for a lot of my academic stuff because I'm like, what if I had these accommodations when I was in elementary school? Like, mm-hmm. where would I be now? Where would I be um, with academics? And would I have struggled so much in school if I didn't have it? But then reminding ourselves that, the what if, what if is never going to help us. <laughs> right.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely like I look back and I'm like, you know, I, I really didn't struggle with um, with the actual content or, you know, of my courses, but struggling with like time management Ugh. and focus and uh, task switching and experiencing like some time blindness like that that all could have been avoided. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I think like there's part of me that looks back and I'm like, okay, well, I can, you know, I can be proud of myself and be like, wow, like, you know, you, you did it, you know, without having any of those accommodations. Um, and I I try to lean into that feeling a little bit. Um, but some days it's hard. Yeah. Definitely hard. It definitely is hard. (laughs) Oh man. Um, so I also wanted to ask about, um, you are talking a little bit about accommodations and um, I've talked a little bit about like medication and stuff, but um, are there like systems and or tools that you use that you found like to be really helpful in like, I don't want to say managing ADHD symptoms because they're not always something to be managed, like, but um, in helping you feel like you're being productive in ways that like actually feel good to you?
1: Yeah. Um, so I recently, I finally found a therapist who, um, I really have built a rapport with and we have a good relationship so far and we have that connection, that professional connection. And she gave me a strategy and, um, I was, I cried because she mailed it to my house. She mailed me a little letter and I'll write it down on this napkin for you because I I didn't end up bringing the journals with me. But we had um, she made a list and she said, here's what's going to help you for your time management, because that was the that was the hardest part for me is managing your time, time blindness mm-hmm. and listing it out to be your top three most cl- critical tasks that you want to get done for the day. And then the next part is going was going to be um, things that you would be nice. It would be nice to complete it, but maybe you might not get to it. If you get your top three, most critical, maybe in the rest of the day, if you have enough time, you can accomplish these three tasks. And then at the end, she gave me unlikely, um, unlikely, but we'll try. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it was the last three things that, yeah, they're really, It's this is like a multi-step thing. It could be taking, like your laundry takes maybe two two business days to complete. Yes. <laughs> um, so maybe you'll leave that on the unlikely, but it, you'll get to it. So whatever you don't finish on this day, you do it again that you didn't complete on the next day. Mm-hmm. So that's the whole layout of, I actually started publishing a journal for this and um, it's a self help journal and I structured it to have. 18 weeks and there's no date no dates on it because when I was buying planners when I was buying journals and all these things anything that had a date on it if I skipped that day I was so mad at myself yes. and I would beat myself up because I didn't complete it so finding a journal that I could you know if I if I'm in the routine I'm getting it down having that habit tracker going but then you maybe skip a day it's okay it's okay yeah. if you skip a day. It's still a blank page that you can come to next day. And you didn't, you're not wasting a whole journal. You're not wasting your money on something. So that was something I was buying all these planners and really, really trying. And they just weren't laid out in a way that was effective for me. Um, but my therapist, she mailed me this cute little thing on my, to my house. And she said, here, this will help for your uh, uh, time management skills. And then I was writing it in my own journal every day. Mm-hmm. And I was writing the top three, but I was finding it was taking me more time to prep this in my own blank journal and I wasn't doing my whole task list. So then I was like, how can I do this where I have it every single day? So I made a journal and now whenever I want to buy it, I can just
0: buy it for myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's incredible. I also like, I can relate to that, like having a planner and then, you know, missing a day or even like using, um, like you know, apps and, and other technology that are, you know, geared towards there. I think there's this whole like industry, I think of, uh, productivity, um, tools that Mm. are like marketed to, uh, neurotypical people. Mm. And, um, I think that like they, the way that they're set up really creates this environment for like folks who aren't neurotypical, who aren't able to, you know, keep up with a daily, task list or a daily journal or, you know, whatever that might be um, to like get in our heads about it. And, you know, it can produce senses of like guilt and shame, which is, I think, just counterproductive to, you know, wanting to be productive. Because I know when I'm feeling guilty or shaming myself or shooting myself, so to speak, um, I'm way less productive. Like I I can't get things done because I have this nagging feeling in the back of my head. I call it and this is Brene Brown has coined this term, shame gremlins. Shame <laughs> gremlins, interesting. So I've heard just... that name, Brene Brown. Yeah, she's incredible. We can talk. Yeah, um, I'll have to look her up. But these shame gremlins are in the back of my head constantly, and um, it makes it difficult for me to, like, actually sit down and focus and get things done because I'm like, well, I wasn't productive yesterday, and you know, am I going to even be able to be productive today? Am I going to accomplish X, Y, and Z? And I also think that a lot of that is fueled by like hustle culture and this idea that we have that we constantly have to be um, like hustling and trying to make more money and mm-hmm. trying to advance our careers or get more education and be more, you know, um, guilty productive. of productive. Yeah. I'm guilty
1: of it too. Even though I advocate for it, I still fall into it because mm-hmm. it's in our faces every constantly, single day, constantly. every single day. Yeah. You said something earlier that I really like this, this balance between grief and gratitude. And I really, I like the way you worded that. That was really nice. Um, Another big part of the journal is in the morning you do the task list of your, you breaking it down into small, tangible tasks. Um, Nothing with multi-steps because then it's just going to take longer. But the end of the day is. A gratitude page, so listing the things, the top three things that you're grateful for, but also listing things that you can improve on. Mm. Listing things without being hard on yourself. What with with go with grace because that's like that's usually the hardest part is doing it so you're not shaming yourself. But that's I liked how you said that balancing grief with gratitude is good.
0: Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, I find it I have to do that in various arenas of my life. I think. you know, uh, life is bitter and sweet and Carol King said it best. You got to take the bitter with the sweet. Um, but balancing those two things is, um, something i find myself kind of trying to come back to quite a bit. It's definitely, it's definitely hard for sure to be grat- grateful. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I love your, I love the, your, the whole layout, I think of, of what you I, wish I was brought it here. with
1: me. I didn't even think to bring it with me today. No, it's okay.
0: <laughs> um, when this podcast uh, episode goes up, I'll put a link in the description so folks okay. can go and check it out yeah. and um, support you. Because, I mean, I think it's incredible. I love the idea of not being confined by dates. I think that um, just even removing the visual, that visual mm-hmm. stimuli of seeing a date and, and all of the things I think that come up with having to be productive and lay out your day and, and, you know, not leave yourself a minute to spare. Um, Mm -hmm. It's just like, it, I don't know. That just feels like, Oh, it'd be be nice. Yeah. And my
1: favorite part is writing down the things that I need to do, but I know I'm not going to get it done in that day, but it's just that even writing it, Mm -hmm. writing it out, even though I know it's unlikely, but I will try, I could try it. It's that mindset of, okay, I'll get to it tomorrow as long as I get
0: the most critical things done. I can work on this another day. And
1: it's it alleviates that shame feeling mm-hmm. for me, at least at
0: least when I use it. Yeah, I can definitely see that. I also think that like there is such power in writing something down and giving it a place to live that is not swirling around in the ADHD tornado that is constantly my mind. So when I write Things down. I, I mean, I am. Um, I'm a post-it note fiend, you know. So <laughs> I write things down <laughs> on post-it notes a lot. So I'm like, okay, it's living somewhere. I will come back to this, and um, this is not for right here, right now. And um, I think that I I feel like there's there's more power in that than folks realize, especially for folks who aren't neurotypical or who are struggling with ADHD and inattention and, and focus that. Um, when we find ourselves constantly swirling back to the same task to the same idea to the same follow up email that needs to get sent um it takes away from experiencing the rest of life. it takes away from experiencing the the joy and the beauty that is around us because of where our attention and focus is is going for sure for sure, and it it
1: it it stems into as well like we're so focused on getting something done or just thinking about what we need to do in that ADHD tornado that you explained is, is another great analogy, but um, finding a way to, to soothe yourself through that. So that way you're not shaming yourself is is so important. It's so important to just practice that mindfulness because that brain is just going to do what it wants to do. It's going to take your thoughts where they want to go and, and practicing that mindfulness is, is hard is easier said than done for sure it yes. takes practice <laughs> yeah. it's not going to happen overnight
0: no absolutely not. um so aside from um from this like structure and you know what you've created for yourself and for others honestly to to like use um are there other other things like systems and tools that you feel like have been really helpful for you some that you've tried that you're like this ain't it <laughs>
1: yeah um, when I'm doing homework, when I'm doing, when I have a, a huge to-do list and maybe like th- there's some days where I've got a final and I've got 1200 words to write and I really can't do any of the things on my list other than that, um, taking lots of breaks, mm-hmm. take lots of breaks, do 10 minutes and take a two minute break, go walk up this up and down the stairs, go walk around the block real quick. Just take the breaks that you need to and come back. Do the work first and then reward yourself for that, mm. for that time and what you've just accomplished in that 10 minute, 20 minute, 25 minute, whatever span that you can hustle mode that you can give yourself, reward that time with a sufficient amount of break time as well. Because if you're just in go mode, you're never going to know how to pace yourself.
0: Yeah, I agree. I feel like that's something too that I, I know that I use, especially on days where I know that I have a lot of commitments mm. and I'm trying to uh, put my attention and focus on those things and only those things, um, especially if it's something big, like you said, like trying to get paper done or final or something. Um, and something like even, you know, I've, I've talked about this with my partner who also has ADHD. Um, Fun. (laughs) Our household is um, blissful chaos, I would say. Um, But you know where everything is. Yeah. (laughs) And, and I, I love the way that we like complement each other. Our our ADHDs play nicely together. um, So that's been fun, but she uses uh, the Pomodoro method, which is the, um, you know, Twenty minutes on, five minute break. Like you can, you know, split it That's up. That's what forward.
1: it's called. I yes. didn't even know what I was doing was called that.
0: Yeah, See, <laughs> well, there's, there's a
1: a name and a method for everything. everything.
0: We'll have to write that down. After, yeah. yeah, there's all kinds of timers too that are available mm. that you can download, like Pomodoro timers. Um, I use you a YouTube use. video for a visual timer. Ooh. I u- yeah, the visual timer will help me because that way. I can just see the red getting smaller, smaller, smaller. And I'm like, okay, hurry up. (laughs) And sometimes I feel like that's helpful too, because I think like when I have that visual like stimulus that, that kind of like communicates like, okay, it's crunch time. Like I perform well under pressure. I think like procrastination has always been something that I've struggled with, but I, I would say that sometimes it helps me play to my strengths in a bit. Like I will give myself, um, like false deadlines. Yes. And like, that is something that like, I, I almost have to like trick myself or, um, create things that will like gamify my life to make it exciting and engaging. Um, yes, my my boyfriend. Um, so I'll trick myself with the time because time management
1: has always been a huge, huge problem for me. Um, it, right out of high school, I started working right away. I didn't go to college. I didn't start college for my bachelor's degree until 2017. I think it was, um, whatever, four years ago it was <laughs> and, um, I was always late for work, hmm. late for work. Notoriously, everyone that I worked with was like, Oh, well, look at the time you're, <laughs> you made it. And it just became an ongoing joke, but it did affect me professionally. Um, it, it limited me for a lot of my hours and availability like oh well you can't make it here for 8 30 because you never make it for nine so you're not going to be able to take that shift Mm -hmm. so things like that would happen um so I started changing all the times in the the stove the microwave to be like 10 minutes earlier Mm -hmm. to what it's supposed to be and my boyfriend hates
0: it (laughs) and I'm like but we're not late so what are you mad about yeah Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the CT Support Group Podcast. Special shout out to Emily for such a fun conversation. I had a really good time. If you want to learn more about her work, check out the links in the episode description. Don't forget to tune in next week for part two. We'll see you then.